Welcome to My Leap of Faith podcast. I'm going to take you on my journey of living a life that felt completely inauthentic and unfulfilling to discovering myself through the help of healers, crystals, psychedelics, plant medicines, and learning to trust my own intuition. I'm continuing to let go and leap every day to find deeper clarity into my own gifts and what my soul's purpose is in this lifetime, and I want to bring you along for the ride. She told me as I woke from walking asleep on the lower at night she said on your feet are heavy, your feet stand deeper, deeper than you know, farther than you go, this wild mother. She told me one morning, right, child, you've got to run on my back, farther than you've ever gone before. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is almost like a part two to my trip to Costa Rica because I separated um, the ayahuasca experience with this experience. And today I'm gonna be talking about Huachuma, which is also known as San Pedro. And um, it's a grandfather plant medicine that is derived from the cactus, cactuses in Peru. But before we go any further, I'm going to say that I am not a medical professional, a therapist, or someone that is qualified to tell you that this is the path for you. Um, You will feel into this for yourself and will know if it resonates. And if it does, amazing. And if it doesn't, it's just another subject to learn about. And who knows where down the road it may come back into your life. So I first was told about um, Wachuma or San Pedro um, almost, let's see, a year and a half ago. I, um, Richard and I went to Sedona to celebrate my last day of my, my corporate career. And um, so it was like right after Thanksgiving of 2019. And while I was there, I had my aura read by this machine, which I don't think I've ever told you guys my aura is green, almost 100% green. <laughs> and um, and she, I also met with someone that was just like a short meeting a psychic. And um, just, I wanted to just see if she had any guidance. And it was in that meeting that she told me that um, San Pedro was calling me. Now, back then, I had already tried 5-MeO DMT, but I definitely was not open to plant medicines um, much more than that because that was such an extreme experience that I kind of, you know, definitely wasn't looking for this path. (laughs) And um, I remember she had given me uh, a person's information and contact information locally for me to work with it locally. And what's funny is I totally forgot about it, but she had written it down for me. So I went back and I actually found this as I've been um, pulling this episode together. And um, yeah, it's funny how energy works. Like the medicine was had been calling me for a long time, but I, I guess in my mind wasn't ready. So when I booked this trip to Costa Rica and I found out that it would also include Wachuma or San Pedro, I was like, oh, wow, that's perfect coincidence because I know that I'm supposed to be called to this and I have been being called to this for a while. So I didn't at that point look into what it was. 
um, because I just knew that I had that experience of someone telling me that it was calling me forward. <laughs> but also, I kind of, in and it feels like almost in every plant medicine that I've tried, I don't do the research really behind it. Like I am interested in people's experience of it, but I don't really find out um, exactly what it is because what I know is that it all depends on you and where you are in your own journey, what the plants will show you. So really, even me sharing my experience with Wachuma is just like a being vulnerable and open with you and in more of like a curiosity way because if you do decide to go down this path and and welcome Wachuma into your life it's going to be a different experience because we all are different and I think that's the beauty of it so if you are being called to this this plant medicine like I said in ayahuasca I feel like you just know deep down it feels safe and it feels like a kind of like a homecoming in a weird way. <laughs> so um, I'm going to first talk about the history of Wachuma just to give you guys a little um, background on what it is. Um, so in uh, when the conquistadors invaded Peru, they were curious to understand why the indigenous cultures paid so much love and respect to the Wachuma cactus. Um, first, they tried to suppress the use of this um, use, but then the priest decided to try the plant medicine. And afterwards, they renamed it San Pedro because they felt it was the key to heaven's gate. And they declared that the only ones who, the only one who has the right to enter the Christian heavens was St. Peter. But this cactus is one of the most ancient master plants native to Peru. The oldest registered archaeological evidence is the Chavin stone carving in the mountains of Peru that is dated uh, 1300 BC, and it shows a figure holding the Wachuma cactus. And all throughout Peru and the Andes, there have been many artifacts like ceramics that have shown that throughout the ages, the people of Peru worshipped the Wachuma cactus. And so <laughs> it's something that has been in use for thousands of years and is native to indigenous cultures and I think has only been shared in the last, I don't know, less than 100 years. So it is, I guess we're lucky to be alive in this moment because we actually can have access to these plant medicines. And I believe that that's all happening too for a reason. We are supposed to awaken into exactly who we are. And Wachuma is just another plant that helps us get there. So um, when I compare I'm just quickly going to compare. There is no comparison really from ayahuasca to Wachuma. They are to two totally different experiences. And I have heard that they do work well together, but meaning together in that if you do do a retreat, they do usually include Wachuma in another day to ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, but they, the experience of them, at least for myself, was totally different. <laughs> so um, the the shaman that I worked with and with um, the Wachuma, he had studied or has studied with the Peruvian people for over twenty years, and um, actually 
goes to Peru many times a year and cultivates the um, Wachima cactuses and actually harvests them and creates his own brew from them and then brings it back to um, Costa Rica where he does um, overseas ceremonies. He and his family have such respect and reverence for this um, plant medicine and you could hear it in his voice and in his words and he was overseeing the ceremony with um, three other helpers, but his wife wasn't there and he spoke so lovingly of her because she actually was in Peru um, and creating, she had created this particular batch that we were drinking. And he was very clear about all the love and um, prayers that she had put into this experience and into this moment for us to have this experience. And I mean, it's hard to explain into words now, but it there was like so much love radiating out of him that it felt like overwhelming at points because he, he holds this work so sacred and it just made you feel like you're kind of in... Um, in such a safe circle of love for every aspect of why you were there for that moment, not just ourselves, but actually giving thanks to the earth for this particular cactus and for all of the hands that touched it along the way to bring it to us in this moment. So I just, I felt like the love and and, and seeing how much he cared for this work it made in every part of this experience, it just makes you feel like the set in the setting is everything. It's everything. It's no one's trying to rush anything. No one's trying to like force you to do anything. It literally is like such a deep love for the earth that makes you feel open to even any of these things. So, um, in saying that, Wachuma is, uh, the cactus itself is legal to cultivate in the United States, but it is not legal to consume in the United States, which is why I went to Costa Rica to have this experience. But um, online, I found this um, little write-up about ceremonial uses, so I'm going to read it to you so you can have an idea of what the, the internal feelings are when you take this medicine. The principal effects of Wachuma have been described by, a by practitioners as follows. The cactus first produces drowsiness or a dreamy state and a feeling of lethargy, um, a slight dizziness, and then a great vision, a clearing of uh, faculties. It produces a light numbness in the body and afterwards tranquility. And then comes detachment, a type of visual force. Inclusive of all senses, the telepathic sense of transmitting oneself across time and matter, like a kind of removal of one's thought to distant dimensions. And um, the shamanic ceremony has the aim to facilitate the participants on an easy journey and to make their mind and memories open like a flower. And with the inspiration of its perfume to, reg to regain their freedom and wisdom. Wachuma is here to help us experience ecstasy and communication with all beings. So right away, <laughs> that is like a lot to take in, but what it is basically saying is it's an opener. It is a heart opener on like such an extreme level. 
And, but it is like so gentle and it's nothing um, like the experience of ayahuasca where, again, I had the impression that it's a shadow work. This is all about just breaking down those walls that we all have over our hearts and just sharing and opening yourself up to every part of the world. Um, so the ceremony for us started at 8.30 in the morning and it didn't finish until 11 o'clock that night. So as you can tell, it was an, an entire day and um, we met in the Maloka and again, it was set up so beautifully and um, this was a different shaman than that we then did the ayahuasca ceremony. The shaman is v- focused solely on Wachuma and he has such revenance for Wachuma and that is what he, his work is. Um, so his uh, circle or ceremony uh, space was t- set up completely different. And one of the biggest aspects of his was he had this huge altar in the middle of the, um, the space and then also a fire. And we all sat down and he explained to us that this was going to be a class. Like it wasn't just going to be a ceremony. It was actually going to be a class that we were going to be learning in. And he wanted us to take notes if we needed to, because it, it was, um, he was there to be a teacher for us. And, um, so then we each got up one by one and we drank the drink and it was, um, like the size of a, a cup. Uh, it's a green powder that they mix into water and, um, it has a, like a slight bitter taste, but it wasn't terrible. And, um, you know, I, I didn't like want to throw it up or anything. And then he gave us a few, uh, like a pinch of, um, cacao nibs to kind of get the taste out of your mouth because for the next two hours, we were not supposed to drink water. So then he sent us each off one by one on our own in the resort to meditate and to just be alone. And the only rule was, we weren't allowed to speak to each other. And when we heard him do, do a whistle call that we were all supposed to come back to the Maloka. Now, um, for me during this time, I went up to the, uh, away from the Maloka and up to the resort and I just laid in the grass and I just had this very calm feeling. Um, nothing, uh, again, like with all medicines, you don't know what to expect, but I just felt calm. And honestly, I fell asleep in the grass and, um, just really relaxed and people, some people were, um, you know, sitting in the hammock, just writing, um, in their journals and no one was speaking. And then, um, then he blew the whistle. I think it was around two hours later, but again, I don't know because we didn't have any watches around us, but I'm guessing it was around two hours later. Um, and we all went back to the Maloka and from there, um, we sat down again and he explained that we were going to have, um, five different altars for the day and each one would be, um, accompanied with a law of creation. And so together there were going to be five laws of creation that we were going to be learning throughout the day. But before that, we actually met the firekeeper who, um, who lit the the ceremonial fire and oh my goodness she um her name was Ronnie and she gave so much love and reverence for that experience a lot of what she spoke about was that like fire is life and they 
have such respect for it and they give gifts to it and a lot of the main um sacred gift of the peruvian people is tobacco and so a lot of tobacco was shared with the fire as like a heart gift and like another heart opening experience and she gave like her own um history with um Wachuma and how she became a firekeeper. And again, all of these experiences are shared from such a deep place in the heart that it's not, it doesn't feel inauthentic in any way. It literally feels like you're being brought into their ceremony, into their culture. And it just, I don't know, the whole time I was sitting there just feeling so grateful to even have a seat at this circle. Um, and then there's also music, and um, they play like the um, the Knights of Ayahuasca. They have um, this music that are called Icaros, and they're sacred songs. And some of them call in spirit. Some of them are to protect the the medicine space. Some of them are for healing and heart opening. And it's so interesting because they're all saying in different languages that I, I don't understand the words, but you just feel them and you feel them so deeply. And I'm telling you, by the end of the day, I was like so in love with um, both the firekeeper and the the singers because as they're there singing all day, you can feel that they are there 1000% giving their energy to us, to our moment, to experience this moment. And, you know, to have that, first of all, undivided attention, we don't get it in our culture. You know, people are always distracted. And the love that comes from people when they are consciously giving it is immense. And I mean, this episode is going to be hard for me to put all of it into words because uh, it just feels like <laughs> one of the guys, he was literally like looking up with his eyes closed and just like singing his singing the song like, oh my God. I And I just felt, I felt like I was in his body and felt the love that was pouring out of his body. And it just has you looking at each person in such a different way. And I'm sure that's the medicine at this point. It was two hours in and I, I it's such a subtle shift, but such a huge opening in yourself that, you know, I, it, it's, it's undescribable, but you know, something's going on, but I personally did not have visions. So for me, it was, and I actually, I had a couple downloads, but for the most part, it was just allowing and feeling everybody in the space. So um, then uh, Hiran, who was our shaman, um, explained that in each altar, after he gave us the law of creation for that altar, we would be able to go and they had these little uh, pieces of cloth that you would put a pinch of tobacco into the pin into the cloth and then tie it up into a, a with a string. And then you would throw that you know, prayer into the altar. And so um, that was how we were going to, because essentially in ceremony, you're creating so much energy because we have all of these people with the same intentions of being there and being present and, and using these sacred um, ikaros to call in the energy. And we have the fire also storing that energy. So 
all of that is to say you're creating this space of, of spirit. And so he said, you know, whatever prayers you put out there, make sure that it is something that you want because it will happen. So the first law of creation was I am. And he said um, that it's, it's all and, and wait, that is all and nothing else after that. Anything you put after I am, you immediately take away the power of all else that you are. You are infinite, infinite possibility. So this one, I mean, I'm getting chills now because in my shamanic um, teachings, we had to create an intention from the very beginning of that um, uh, program. And mine was, I am divine creation. And what he essentially was saying is that, no, you don't put anything after I am, because if you put anything after I am, you are saying that this is all I want to be. We literally are I am. We are everything. We are nothing and we are everything in between. And it's that opening up of heart and space to the unknown that creates um, this vacuum of everything and that you can draw everything towards you and it's unlimited, you know, versus if you were to say, I am abundant, for example, that limits you from everything else that could be attracted towards you. So the law was I am. And the prayer that he wanted for this altar was to pray for the self. And he was very clear about make sure that what you're praying and calling towards yourself is what you really want because it will come true and and be intentional about what you really want. So, you know, we each got up in turn and made our prayers and, and put them into the altar. And at in between each of these, um, after each prayer, he also would be introducing another uh, plant medicine to the group. And in this one, it was hape, which I have spoken about before. So again, in that, it, in that I had been working with hape for now, at this point, it had been five months. Um, I, I now know, like, it was calling me because it was coming in another form through another healer, you know, and even though up to this point I had only done it by myself, I have shared that with you guys and I use it in my meditation to help center my energy. Um, it was um, shared with the group who mostly had never done it as if you're not feeling the medicine, if you think you're not feeling the medicine, you need hot pay. If you're feeling the medicine and it's too much, you need hot pay. If you don't know what you're feeling, you need hot pay. So essentially he was saying, everybody, if you're feeling open to it, you need hot pay. <laughs> And I just like, I remember just laughing because it's so true. Everybody needs hape. <laughs> and I know um, it's like the most unattractive thing to think about um, blowing tobacco ash up your nose. But, and I have explained this before, is it's such a deep connection with your own like source soul energy. And you're literally pulling back all those threads that you have out into the world back into your body. And 
it, it can be overwhelming. So then I remember I sat, I was still sitting on the mat and I, um, you know, there became like a line of people that were waiting for him. And he was so beautiful. He like spent so much time with each person to, to understand what they were feeling or experiencing in that moment. And then he had like, I don't know, five different strengths of Hape to offer each one for whatever they were going through. And this is for me, I got really caught up in watching the people that would come up um, to um, experience the hape for the first time in most cases. Now, I'm not exactly sure why in hindsight, but you know, I'm really empathic. And for me, I know how sacred hape has become in my life. And it's almost like witnessing someone else experience for the first time that that rush or that like knowing in your own body I didn't actually I remember not knowing what to expect but then when I started seeing the reaction of the people that were experiencing it I was like oh my goodness and it would range from um people just breaking down and crying right because he they would you would be invited to sit with him up at the altar um so he was like face to face with the person he was working with. And after he would issue the hot pay, like the reaction would be like, um, a lot of people would just break down crying and, or they would become overwhelmed in their own body. And, and he would, if that would happen, then he would, um, obviously do many prayers over them, do, um, a spirit water wash, rinse, and like try to get them back into their body because remember hape is like pulling every part of you right back into your vessel and if you haven't experienced that before it's overwhelming (laughs) because you don't know your own energy you don't realize how much you're always giving giving out 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 and taking in others and what i i'm just gonna say overall noticed is that most of the people that were experiencing it for the first time, they had never experienced their own energy. And it just showed up in so many different ways. And I I had, um, I don't know, I felt like I was just holding the space for each one's experience. And I just felt so connected with each of the people. And some of the people then would... Um, after like minutes of being there with the shaman, he would put them, move them over to the side of the maloka. And many of them would then start purging. And then he would stop and go over and make sure, you know, clearing the energies that were coming out. Because essentially when you're aligning with your own energy, you're releasing stuff that doesn't belong to you. And that can be purging. I mean, it. I have on Hape purged one time, uh, and again, I ha- this is why when I did it by myself, but if you aren't in resonance and completely aligned with your own energy, stuff comes out. And that is what I believe Hape is, you know, it's to show you who you are. It- it's to say like, this is a moment for you and your soul to be connected. So that was during the first um, law. And we were probably in that um, space or that altar for at least an hour or so. And um, I mean, maybe in that hour, I don't know, maybe four people were able to receive Hape because again, he spent so much time with each person and dealt with whatever they were releasing and whatever they were going through. So it wasn't like it was rushed through. And, you know, just the the sacredness of each each person's soul ex- having these experiences was so beautiful and 
um, to witness it, it's like you're being a part of their transformation. And that's what I remember feeling is just like, like there was this one um, guy that was there and we had had a, another connection during um, ayahuasca. And I felt he was one of the people that actually stayed the night in the Maloka with me. And he had a, a pretty strong reaction to Hape and, um, and he ended up purging. And I just, I was sitting completely across the Maloka from him, but I was just sending him so much energy. And just, I had this feeling of, he is just such a strong warrior and he's so young. And I mean, um, I just felt like, God, people that are waking up at this point in their lives and they're in their twenties, I, I, not to say I feel envious, but I do feel like, wow, the potential that they have to bring into this world, it's just overwhelming. You know, it's so beautiful and it's so beautiful to know yourself so deeply at that point in your life that you, are following a path to finding out who you actually are and you're not letting society tell you you should go to college next you know um and I just had such love for him and yeah we I I ended up talking about it with him later in the night but that's what I did I just was connecting like deeply connecting with everything that was going on and so then um the um the shaman Haran blew the whistle and um, gathering everybody back together was a challenge in itself. There was like an appointed accountant to make sure everybody was accounted for before we would move on. And um, then he brought the next prayer in, which was or the next, sorry, law, which is um, all is one and one is all. And essentially, this is what I took from that law. Uh, we are all mirrors to each other. There is nothing that you can for that you cannot forgive in this life as we are everything and everything is us. The hope is to be able to forgive that to give that forgiveness while you are still here on this plane of existence. If you will cry over my death, tell me you love me now today. Do not wait until I'm I am gone and cannot be here to hear it. So essentially, this one was all about the people that you just don't resonate with, the people that have uh, hurt you, have made you feel less than. Find it in your heart and in this space to send love to that person or to those people in, in this moment. And the thing that resonated the most with me is when he said about the part about if you are going to cry over my death, tell me you love me now was like, oh, <laughs> because I mean, yeah, we all, when we lose people, we all try like remember the good times. And of course we're sad and, and it's too late. It's too late to say, I love you, you know? And he's saying, why hold that in your heart for the rest of your life? Do it now, get it out of you, share it. And so the, the prayers that he said was, this altar was for to pray for those people who have wronged you and um, that you would be fine never seeing again, but that you need to give love to. So for me, this took um, the form of all of the men in my life <laughs> in my childhood. So I have a, a biological father, a stepfather and my brother. And those are the three that I focused on. And, you know, for all different reasons my biological father and my stepfather are no longer in my life um 
and not not by my choice. So um, I just gave forgiveness to myself and forgiveness to them. And also thanks for them to bringing those experiences into my life because it's made me exactly who I'm supposed to be, you know. Um, and essentially that's what this law is about. No one is uh, perpetrating against you, against your will. We all had an agreement before we came into this life to grow. And those people that push us are the ones that are the catalysts for growth. And even if they, you know, struggle and their soul struggles to watch you go through the experiences, they had the agreement with you to, to help you in this life. And so it's basically finding that place in your heart that understands that and then sending them love and sending it and, and wishing them love and wishing them happiness and, and abundance and all those things. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. So I did one prayer for each of those people. And then I did get a download of it's important for me to be able to tell my brother now that I love him. And of course, on the medicine, I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I could totally do that. The moment I get home, I'm going to tell him. Um, because again, on this medicine, your heart is just so out of your body that you're just like nothing. All of the things that my mind make me distant from him are the walls that I put up because of him or because of me are down. And it's like, oh, I could easily share that love with him because I do love him. And, and at the, the soul or the core of all of us, we love everyone. But it's then all of the experiences that you put up a wall and it grows and grows and grows and grows. And then it just becomes so hard to ever imagine saying that to the person. <sighs> so yeah, it's, it's one that I definitely have to work on. And it's funny because of course, when I got home, um, my first time seeing him was at Easter and it was in a group setting and I was like, oh, like making an excuse of, well, the next time I'm alone with him, then I'll tell him. And I, I can see this is a shadow. This is something that I have to break through. And this is something that no matter how that message is received by him, it's not about him. It's about me being able to share my love freely, even though in my life today, he doesn't understand me, you know, and, and maybe he never will. And that's okay. But I still want to give him love while he's still here. <laughs> so um, that's something that I ha am, was shown and that I need to work on in myself. So then um, in that uh, altar, the next plant medicine that was introduced was Sananga. Now, this is another plant that I know about and that I have been practicing with or sitting with. I haven't done an episode on it yet, but I do plan to in the future because I do believe it to be a very powerful, um, beautiful medicine. It's just my experience with it so far has been challenging, <laughs> to say the least. So essentially, uh, Sananga is an eye drop that is um, created by the indigenous people in the Andes. And in the Amazonian people, and it is from a bush, and it's the milk of a of a particular bush. And what um, it was used for um, in the past, you know, thousands of years ago, is that um, the hunters would use these drops in their eyes before they went hunting. And it is because it gives you clarity of vision. And not only clarity of vision, it gives you um, 
like it clears out your pineal gland and the calcification around the pineal gland and helps you to see things with your eyes anew in a way. Now, if you have eye uh, like obstructions or eye issues, um, it actually is said to correct those. So, I mean, I have heard people that wear glasses that use Sananga. Um, there, it is asked for that you do a dieta of 21 days with Sananga. Um, and then you take three weeks, I think it's three weeks off. And then if you want to do it again, you would do another 21 days. Now I tried that and I got to day five <laughs> and I just couldn't do it again. Um, but in the ceremony, I decided I was going to commune with Sananga. And essentially you just lay down on a mat and someone puts a drop into each corner of your eye, your eye ducts right in with your eyes closed. And then once both drops are there, you start blinking and the liquid goes into both eyes. And the reason that Sananga is difficult is that it feels like you're putting battery acid in your eyes, but not for very long. It lasts, um, in the case of the Sananga um, in Costa Rica, it only lasted for me maybe 30 seconds. But the Sananga that I have at home, it feels like it lasts for like minutes. And it seems like the one I have is way stronger than the one that they issued there. Um, but what it is, it's supposed to shock you out of your mind and shock you out of your thinking mode. And let and you ha- the only way to get through it is to release and let go into it. And, and I know that that's the magic of Sananga. And I, again, have heard people that have had such great breakthroughs in their own lives to be able to see clearly things that they have that have been holding them back that they didn't want to acknowledge before. So I do believe in the power of Sananga. It's just a very difficult for me to um, consistently take. So my experience though in Costa Rica was beautiful. And um, I think that Again, it's a beautiful medicine. I, I I liked watching other people experiencing it for the first time. And for the most part, I mean, pretty much actually everybody that did it had an amazing experience with it. So it is a plant medicine that I recommend, and I probably will do an episode about it more in detail in the future. So then again, more hours go by. I have no idea how long, but actually at this point, because we hadn't eaten that day. So we didn't eat at breakfast and we started at 8.30 in the morning. But at this point, they brought down um, uh, cacao uh, cacao in a, in a big pot. And oh my God, it was the most amazing. Uh, uh, I mean, because up to this point, we had not had sugar because you have to do a dieta before ayahuasca. And it means no sugar, no processed foods, no salt, basically no anything, no meat. And um, so this was my first taste of sugar and it was just heaven. And um, it, it it's like that the sweetness of cacao speaks so directly to your soul that it was just so, oh, it felt like the biggest of hugs. Um, and then we went, he ca- blew the whistle, called everyone back. And um, this the next law is what I give, I get back in return. Now, I mean, that's something that everybody knows, but this is what everything that you put out into the world comes back to you. And it could be as simple as a smile, a hug, or picking up trash on the beach. And these things are the extra credits of life. These are the things that you do when nobody's looking and you're getting no credit for it. 
but but source knows and it comes back to you in energy and it's just like again when you're on wachuma it's just so obvious right because you feel it and and you feel like there was this this guy in our group that just had the most magnetic smile and at that after we finished that um altar i went over to him and i just said your your smile is like pure sunshine it just it it like penetrates so deeply and you just give them them away so freely and i know you guys i've talked about it before that in for me i'm i'm introverted and i hate saying that i i keep saying that word and i'm going to do my best to stop saying it but I, I have such a difficult time to smile at people and mainly people I don't know, you know, but this guy was just giving it out and sharing it and just so um, it was just so from his heart and it was all weak. It wasn't just because of the Wachuma. And um, it felt like that, like that this feeling of you, no um like all of the barriers that you normally have up and all the things that you think like, oh, they're going to think I'm nuts if I just go up to this person and tell them this. Yeah, I did it. I was like, I don't care. He needs to know. And I mean, I mean, he was thankful, but I think it was more for me. And what I realized in that moment is that I'm attracted to his light because I, I want that back in my life. I want to not be afraid. I want to be able to give that smile away to everybody, you know, and it just had this such deep impact on me. And then I just, I think I went back to the, the circle and I just was crying (laughs) because it, it was the lesson that I needed to see, you know, and then, um, the prayer for this altar was, to give a prayer of love to all the people that you love in your life and, and share them, share prayers for them, um, in this altar. And at this point, the next plant medicine that was introduced was, um, cacao leaf and it was like a powder. And he, what I remember, and at this point, again, I, I don't actually wait before we went into the cacao leaf powder. I went up and was in turn to get hape from um, Haran, the shaman. And this was my first time experiencing someone else delivering me hape. Um, And I remember feeling a little bit like, oh, I mean, I'm going to do it because I want to experience what it feels like to not have the control Because in my mind, I always think, like, I can blow as strong as I want to blow this stuff up into my nose. (laughs) Um, And so I went and sat down with Haran, and I explained to him, like, he asked me, how are you feeling? And I said, oh, I mean, I feel amazing. I feel like I'm I'm home, and it's all love. And he said, are you struggling with anything? And I was like, no, I just feel great. (laughs) And um, he asked if I had done hape before and I explained, yes, I do it almost every day. And, but I had never had it administered to me. And he goes, okay, do you want strong or extra strong? And I was like, uh, strong. (laughs) I don't think I'm ready for extra strong, whatever that is. So, um, I'm so glad that I did this for myself because it was the best, um, First of all, you're not only in your own energy, you're receiving that blow from someone else's energy towards you. And he puts prayers on on his tepe, which is the pipe, before he issues it to me. 
And so when the blow comes, it feels like you're being given a gift. And for some reason, which we I talked to him about later, it was the most gentle experience I've ever had with Hape, which is so funny because here I'm thinking it's going to be the, the most difficult because someone else has the control. But the truth was that it was the most gentle and the most... Um, clearing sensation that I've ever experienced on Hape. And I mean, it could be because I'm on the Wachuma as well, but oh, I, I felt like just like a straight shot up to the heavens. And like, so uh, I had to sit there and just like feel it for a few minutes. And it just felt like deliciousness. And oh, I just remember just so happy. So then I went and sat down and that's when the, um, the next altar started. So the altar uh, for the the prayer of or the law of what I give back, I get in return. And it was that we were to give prayers of love to the people in our lives. And then um, he introduced a new medicine at this point, which was the cacao leaf powder. And it's like a green um, powder that you scoop up and you put into the side of your mouth. And all, what I remember him saying about this was that, you know, um, Society has completely abused the cacao leaf and how it's, it was never meant to be snorted up anyone's nose. And that when you, it, when you have the sweetness of the cacao leaf in your mouth, you're only to speak of love and speak of, of beautiful things. Um, and, you know, again, it's another sacred plant medicine that they have so much reverence for. Now, um, again, there there was a line of people to see him for different things, the hape and the cacao or the, the cocoa leaf. So I ended up not get experiencing the cocoa leaf myself, but I'm sure that it will call to me and it will happen at another point. But in this particular day, it wasn't meant to be for me. And I was like perfectly fine with that. Um, so then uh, again, more time goes by and he calls us back for the fourth law. And the fourth law was time and space do not exist, but the experience of them is real. So I've heard this before. I've heard that time and space are not real. Um, but in my, when I open up sacred space, I always, um, I always call in cosmic father time and cosmic mother space because we are saying essentially a ho, like I see you and I want to be here, but they're not real. <laughs> they're not real in the sense of linear time and space. So um, what I remember him speaking about for this is that we must have hope in that the work we are doing right now today in our lives will ripple, have a ripple effect on future generations and that um, they will always, uh, they uh, to always remember that time and space do not exist, but what we put into this moment is what ripples out. And the prayer for this law was to the prayer for future generations and, and the prayer for hope, you know, that there will be enough resources for them and that we will, as a society, come to a place that is more aligned and less divisive and more accepting and less, you know, not accepting. And this, I remember at this law, when he released us to do our prayers, so many people were crying because think about the immensity of that. The unknown, the unknown of where our cultures are going and the unknown of where future lies, you know, especially in this last year, 
and that we've experienced so many things that never have happened before in our generations, it's like there is a lot of uncertainty and there is a lot of unknowns. And, you know, we all, regardless of where we fall on the spiritual uh, awakening path, we all hope that we we all stick around and that there is there is beauty, there is love, there is growth, and there is a, an evolution that happens. And I mean, same like for myself, I was very tuned into this I this hope, and I was definitely in tears about it as well. And as we, I mean, really, everybody was crying, and the whole of all of us, everybody pretty much cried all day. <laughs> but um, so then we put our prayers in for that, and then um, again, more people were experiencing these plant medicines, and um, then the final. <laughs> called us back and the final um law was everything changes constantly except for the first four laws now the point of this is that we are all here to grow and evolve and if you're not experiencing change in your life something's not right you are you're trying to stay comfortable and growth is in change in every way so that's the point of life. We're here to change. We're here to always change. We're here to be pushed outside of our comfort zones. And we're here to like embrace when that happens instead of fighting it. You know, we're here to flow with the changes and we're here to invite them because it's like that resistance that creates the friction and it's the flow that then brings you to the other side of it and, and brings you to more beauty in your life. And uh, again, it's so hard to put this in words because it, you're feeling it from the space of your heart being completely open and you just it everything that he was saying makes such deep sense and the prayer that we did for this altar was to pray for mother earth and that she may be here to to nurture provide and protect for future generations and this was right around sunset. And um, in Costa Rica, as the sun sets, the cicadas just scream. The moment that the sun goes down, it's like they're saying goodbye to the sun in such a loud way. And it's the most beautiful sound <laughs> that I've ever experienced because they're honoring the sun. They're saying like, thank you for another day, another moment with you, you know, and it it ha I had this just overwhelming feeling of love and just such care for the earth and hope that we as a culture and society can get it together and stop fighting each other over things that are absolutes. You know, this is the planet that we are on and this is the one that nurtures us. <laughs> Let's take care of it. And <sighs> so there was a lot of tears for that one. Um, and then in this, this was our last uh, moment to pray. And he said, you know, if you've forgotten anyone, now's the time. And so for me, I don't know how in this whole day, but I didn't pray for the, the loves of my life. And so I pulled out three of the cloths and I did uh, a prayer for my best friend who has been my best friend since childhood. And she, no matter how out, out there I get, is big biggest supporter and just there's pure love and understanding there and so so I sent her prayers and then I, the next one I did was for my mom because she has been everything my whole life like she has raised me to be this person that is here for you guys today and you know through it all 
she's nurtured this being into being me. So I sent her prayers. And then finally, the love of my life, Richard, is like just everything, you know. And um, again, when your heart is so open, you see it and you feel it in such a different way that it's like, it's it, there are no words it's just emotion so like as I was holding onto those the cloth with tobacco I was just holding it to my heart and just giving it everything that I I was feeling in that moment okay so then um before the ceremony ended uh we did a blessing of the water there was um two water jugs that were on either side of the altar and um one of the shaman that were there did a blessing over the water and then we each drank the water Oh, and I forgot to mention that in the very beginning, he did ask us if we had any jewelry or crystals on us that we wanted to receive the energy of the day to put them on the altar. So we were all able to, um, I had my rose quartz, I took it off and put it on the altar and also my bracelets and to carry that energy forward with me. Um, so we were, we got these back at this time. And then he um, he went through a period of just giving thanks again to everyone that had been involved with creating the day and down to the musicians, the firekeeper, um, his helper. And then he went back to thank his wife again for the fact that she was at home watching their daughter and which allowed him to share his energy and love with us. And then also for her creating the Wachuma for the day ceremony. And it's just like the thanks that in the deep um, gratitude that he was giving to everyone's hands that were involved in the day, it just makes you feel like we, we don't know in this society where our food comes from. We don't know what we're eating and we don't understand what goes into everything that comes into our bodies. And it's like taking that moment of just deep thanks. Thanks for the person that is picking the berries that go into my smoothie. You know, like that love and, and sending it out is like the energy that creates something bigger and something better. And then he said that we were then to say goodbye to each other. And because this was our last night in Costa Rica and, you know, there were 30 of us. And so we got up and I think there was music still playing. Um, and, you know, there were people that I connected with like daily and there obviously there's so much love and those relationships will continue on. But because I know that we are all a soul family, a soul family, when I came face to face with each person, even if I didn't have a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction with them, I had like, like no joke, crying connections with them in that moment. And just because what I was doing is I was sharing what I felt with them during the day and, and sharing the reflection of what I saw their, their life to be, their potential to be their, like those warrior spirits and those, uh, just like deep, deep, deep loving people. And I mean, in this, like literally saying goodbye to 30 people one at a time, I was just in tears, just crying and crying and crying. And it was the best release and just gratitude that I to, like really to end the whole week because you're, 
able to have that moment to say, you know, I, I appreciate you showing up for this and being present for this every day that we've been here. And that's why they're my family, you know, like that's why I've known them so many, many lifetimes and that we are connected. And that is where the beauty comes in with Wachuma is you realize that we are connected to everything and you just, um, I mean, like I said, everybody experiences it in their own way, but Wachuma helps you to, to break down that barrier that we put up through conditioning that makes us feel like we're separate when we're not, we are literally all it. <laughs> so it was exhausting. And by that end of that, I was just exhausted. And, um, but also so nurtured. And I just, that's why I feel like this whole experience was the best gift I've ever given myself because it was like, um, a party for my soul, <laughs> you know, like I remember going out to clubs and stuff and not really being into it. And this felt like a, a club of, of all the aligned people in my, in my life and in my heart. And in, oh, it, it was like my type of party, I guess. And we did have a little dancing as well. And, um, it just felt like this is, this is life to me. This is what it is about. This was a gift to be present and to really, really understand what it means to be present and to not try to escape why we're here. You know, I know people have these um, ideas about about plant medicine, but the truth is they bring you more consciousness than than taking a glass of wine at night or eating desserts like me (laughs) or, you know, the things that we use to escape reality. These plant medicines bring us to reality and they bring us so deeply into ourselves that it changes you. And that's why I have so much gratitude for the experience. And I feel like it was like a rebirth for for the the soft parts of me, the, the, the parts of my soul that sometimes get get scared, you know, and are afraid to show themselves. And it was like a, a nurturing of that part of me. And for me to feel like I'm not alone, you know, there are others out there that are also going through this and are wanting to share the love and are wanting to be that vulnerable with, you know, people that you just met. But now you know for the rest of your life because they are you and you are them. <sighs> So I, again, if you are ever called to this type of work, just all I can say is with an open heart, give yourself the gift if it feels aligned because you will never feel closer to yourself. You know, you will never find something that is legal in this country that will bring you to that place aside from meditation, but meditation is so separateness, you know, it's not the inclusive one um i i can't speak you know enough gratitude enough love enough appreciation for all of these plant medicines and i just have to give it up oh.